Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And here we are for the fifth and last NRL podcast. Boxhead, what he's doing? Very little, buddy. Very little. Very little. Uh, obviously a day late due to some personal circumstances. Had a lot of inboxes, a lot of messages. Not surprised at all, but um, probably start things off. Not something I generally like to do, but probably give a shout out to two people in our life. Um, our cousin first, Daniel Shepard, who passed away he was a mad Bulldogs fan yep um, had his funeral on the weekend after a couple of weeks um, of going through some stuff there so uh, thoughts and prayers obviously with that side of the family and him uh, he's only your age which is very very sad to see yeah um, but yeah he was gone far too young you know family and partner and all that left behind and obviously like we said a, a mad football fan as well loved playing went back to play uh, a bit older and uh, obviously the reason for not recording last night and a very sad thing as well is our nan, uh, Maureen Fitzgerald, who, you know, in a lot of ways has contributed to who we are, yeah. How we how we are, and uh, obviously, the reason we do things like this, you know, always believed in us, always attended everything, supported us in every single endeavour and backed us, and uh, unfortunately, we were around friends and family and uh, our other. Well, we're grandchildren, our other cousins. Uh, it's unfortunately see her pass away last night. So. Yeah. Bit heartbreaking, but there you go. So for all the messages, that's the reason why we obviously didn't yeah, record last night. Bit going on. Nothing so. else to it because I had a few going. Oh, there's nothing up today. But uh, yeah, to put things in perspective, some things are more important, and uh, family's one of them. So. Yeah, definitely. But we're here today. Um, it'll be a, a, a bit more abbreviated because obviously we're very late in the week. It's Wednesday. We're a day away from the round kicking off, so people don't really need to have as much in depth in in terms of. The review especially, and the set of six will be a little bit more abbreviated. Most topics are things that have been spoken about uh, or spoken about, but obviously our perspective. So what do you say? We just jump straight in. Let's do it. So set of six. First one we've got here, it's the Broncos situation. I'm not going to attack it, similar to all the bullshit in the media and all that, but I think probably more holistically from the Broncos perspective is are they heading the right direction? Um, people talk about the Haas-Kelly thing. There's obviously been a couple of injuries, etc. Um, people are already starting to talk about Reynolds and the pressure of you know not having those players around him. Was he the main man at South? Was he featured with what he had around him and the role he had to play? Well, of course, his role changed. But I think the bigger thing here for me and the Broncos is not getting stuck in this cycle again. They signed all these young guys, thought that was the way forward. They moved on from Bennett. They brought in Seabold. They panicked after 18 months, thought things were off the rail. They bowed to the old boys. We've gone over this point a million times. They've brought Kevy in, and within 18 months, again, seem to be back in a very similar position. Um, they've got Payne Haas, who 
you know, that, that brouhaha, was it great? No, it's not great. Is it the worst thing I've ever seen? No. The bloke that's recording it, what are you doing? Um, the fact that I was stupid enough to be in a hotel foyer, mind you, mm. over a pair of scuff shoes, like, you know, fuck me. Talk about perspective. What yeah. Are you, uh... What are you doing? But I'm, I'm looking at that from Brisbane's perspective now. People are talking about, is he worth a million dollars? Someone's worth what you're willing to pay. But for Brisbane, is yeah. paying a million dollars for a front row a smart idea in your current situation and where your roster is? Mm. No. Is it smart or is it the right thing to do for a bloke that has a behaviour bond with New South Wales Police and was also in trouble for, again, different situation. I, I sort of understand the first one, the deal with his mum where he didn't want to divulge what the NRL was after, but it got himself in trouble. He's had two upgrades within this same contract that he originally signed. Now he wants a million bucks. If you're Brisbane, is that really the standard you want to set? That someone that has had problems, however you look at them, that you're willing to just keep going back into your pocket and keep dishing out regardless of the circumstances surrounding it? And is that the right move for you? Like, Katoni mm. Staggs, same deal. Had a couple of off-field issues, had some injuries up and down. Was he big on the market? Yes, he was big on the market. But they've gone all in and paid him $700,000. And I'd say so far right now, he hasn't come close to delivering. And I know we're only four rounds in. Yeah. But it's starting to have some eerie signs again of the cycle they just thought they were starting to get themselves out of repeating again. And I think they need to sit down and have a real hard look at what they're doing um, and take a look at the bigger picture here, in particular about the culture and the direction they want to head, if these are the sort of decisions they're going to make. Yeah, well, the culture's changed, like whether they like it or not. They're not who they used to be. No. So the sooner they get and accept that point, I think the better off they're going to be. Because they keep talking about returning to the good old days. Well, the good old days are gone. You yep. need to now make, you know, some decide what you're going to stand for in the future, not keep talking about what happened in the past. Uh, they're not as an attractive a uh, team as what they were. They don't have that winning culture. They haven't won a comp in, what is it, 15, 16 years now? Over six, yeah. Obviously lost, so lost in 15. They've fallen back to the field. Do they have elite players? Not really. Like Reynolds and Payne Haas are origin level players, yep. You know, but really, I don't look at Brisbane from a club perspective, coaching perspective and roster perspective as, you know, like an elite club anymore. Mm. So they've just got to work out how they're going to get back to being consistently in the top eight every year. And I keep hearing all this shit about, oh, you know, we need Brisbane to do well. We need Brisbane to be in the eight. We need Brisbane to... Well, we don't need Brisbane to do anything. We just need it to be a level playing field and... You know, they've got to look after themselves. They've got to sort their own shit out. I, I was pretty outspoken that I didn't think Kevy was the right man for the job when the Seabold... You know, I wouldn't have sacked Seabold. I also, I wouldn't have signed Kevy, but I don't know. I'm not on the ground there seeing what happens on a day-to-day. Uh, I think they've improved this year. I think they're playing better footy this yeah. year than what they were last year. So I don't argue about the football. But I just... Yeah, even the talk, like, oh, we've got the roster here that's going to win us a comp. I think that was a comment that came out of there. Well, I think it was at Icon last only week. Only a week or so ago, I think somebody asked after adding Reynolds. Um, we don't need Kate to buy anyone external. Like, they well, said, where okay. are you going from here? And he said, well, we shouldn't need to buy anyone with what we've got right now. I'm like, well, mm. after four years of, you know, sort of rolling through these kids, getting these guys to this point, having your Fleglers, your Carrigans, you got Ricky in now, who they was in and out. Stags, Farnworth, Tessie New. If, if you think you've got, you know, the right squad there, after a couple of seasons of playing, we should see a step forward. Yeah. But also on top of that, we've talked about this before. Who you pay is not just on ability; it's on character, which is more the point we're making on culture. 
So if you're going to pay paying Haas a million dollars and you've given him two upgrades, even though he's been in trouble within the same contract that he signed for five years and he's only three years in, is that the right cultural decision? I'm not questioning his talent, but I still wouldn't pay a million dollars for a front row. I have a cap on positions. Spine yep. positions are the only ones to me that are worth a million dollars. If you're going to pay that, and there's very few spine players, I would pay a million dollars. Yeah. Front row, Fisher Harris, Payne Haas, arguably the two best front rows. I have a cap on that. It's eight hundred thousand probably. It's the absolute maximum. And yep. that goes again. Like the other argument was, I oh, will Payne Haas can play eighty minutes. Like he can play eighty minutes, but is that sustainable? Do you get the best version of Payne Haas? I think in total output for an extended period of time, he's the best front row, bar none. I reckon he could easily play 65 quality minutes, good minutes. Yeah. Um, Fish does, you know, similar. Gets 65, 70, can play 80. Like, we've seen Jared play, but again, the difference between those lulls, consistency, what you deliver, etc. And also, the game's changed. Exactly. Like you're not going to see as many middles play. And we've, we've talked about the Tom Milo thing right now. If the Cowboys had their time again right now or he's on the open market, no one's paying him a million dollars. No. Because the rules have so. gone away from the wrestle, the ruck, we need momentum. Tom Malolo was the cheat code at the time for the wrestle game and the slow game because you had a man that is 120 kilos, moves like a back rower, has that power, as quick on the straight as a centre, like perfect combination of things around the set of rules we had at the time, the way the game's gone at the moment. Like I said, to me, there's certain positions that need other things to happen around them or have a certain value. So for me, if I'm Brisbane, I think reportedly within the two upgrades he's had right now, he's already on about 750. Yeah. So I don't think he's far off what he should be getting anyway, even if he is an international and origin front row. Yeah. About the maximum, like I said, it's 800000 So if they're not happy with that, he's reportedly already talked to the Bulldogs and they've said they wouldn't pay him a million dollars. So I don't really know where he wants to go because the other side of this is, do you want money or do you want to win? Because if you want to win, and even if it's at Brisbane, you can't take a million dollars for that exact point I just made because you need more help around you. And you can't go back to them in a couple of years and complain if you're still in the same situation. Yeah. If you go as Payne Haas and say, I want to win and you tell your new management setup or whatever, and you go, I want to go to Melbourne or the Roosters or whatnot, of course they're going to be interested. We've already heard that the Roosters were trying to talk to him three years in advance, but you can goddamn guarantee that the Roosters are not going to pay him a million dollars. They may have third parties and businesses and other things we know they can help out with, but the way they shape their side and the way they shape their roster, yeah, he'd probably be similar to what he's on right now. It's 800 maximum. Yeah. They're not going to go to that because they know much the same themselves. You're not going to win with a million-dollar front row. No. So Payne Haas has a decision to make personally here about where he wants his career to go. Yeah. If you want money, cool. Stay at Brisbane, bend them over the barrel, let them pay you a million, sign a five, six-year deal, whatever, and collect the cash. But look forward to never playing top eight football or barely getting in and never winning a grand final. Plain and simple. Yep. Um, in terms of other decisions like they've made, like I said again, character to culture. You've paid with Stags, who I think is an incredible footballer, and you know we had some little issues, but again, what you're getting on delivery or return the few little things here that have happened with Payne Haas, are you going to keep just accepting that and upgrading and giving? I don't know. And that's more why I look at Brisbane and I'm like, again, I'm sort of seeing, I thought I was starting to see a little bit of a turn and we've obviously seen it at the football and I thought Ike and Donahue, et cetera, taking control of the reins was a good thing. But I think they've got a couple of critical decisions coming up within this season in terms of where they go, as we said, coaching, club-wise, roster decisions, and now the last few weeks, I think has added to that to see where this goes. Yeah. Because I do think there's some good players there. But in this sort of phase, you can't bow down to players. Particularly when your performances are where they are. Yeah. Um, and again, like the Reynolds thing, again, we people argued and disagreed on that. And, was, you know, he, he got the money. He got a good deal. He secured his long-term future. But I think he's also 
looked a little frustrated the last week or two. And again, that's that decision between Souths come to two years, 650, 700,000, Brisbane three, four years, 850 report. Like the money, I completely understand because he took pay cuts or whatever. But do you want to win or would you like money? And I think he's learning now that it's very different playing with Tessie New, Turpin, difference <clears> at <throat> one, six or yeah, nine definitely. as compared to Walker, Cook, and the sort of setup he was in there right now. But for them, um, like I said, I think Iken and Donaghy in particular were good decisions for the club and the way they're heading. But I think they've got some critical decisions again, as we say, from club to culture to the decisions you want to make as far as the way your group goes forward. Um, so, yeah, a lot of talk about what happened this week and this, that and the other. Like the Kelly thing, again, it's silly. Should you really be drinking that heavily after round two? Probably not. Um, even after a win, it's pretty early in the year to be hitting the turps that hard. Um, and the issue seems pretty minor, but, yeah, um, interested to see what sort of unfolds in the next month with Brisbane. Now they've got a few injuries and a few things have started to swirl again, and we've seen Kevy, as we've seen before, very emotional um, in those press conferences, very reactive. So it's time to bunker down if you're Brisbane. But yep. keep our eyes on that. Tackle two, pretty simple point. Um, for me, and I think a lot of people were frustrated from, from the weekend. My first few weeks, I said I wanted to see more consistency around the area of the new concussion system and decisions from the bunker and players coming in and out. I didn't see any on the weekend, which frustrated me, which is a really good thing. But what I did see is shit sin bins creep back in, which were really frustrating and ruined a couple of games of football. Um, like the bitch slap that Chad Townsend had that led to a sin bin, and I'd seen way worse in the first few rounds. Like for that to go... The, the Griffin name one, we, we didn't agree, again, like on the suit. Like we had points. Not that we didn't agree, but we had differences of opinion around the halves situation and how they get hit or how they get tackled. But three bins in that game, um, some of the penalties, and now they're talking that through the media, that Volandis, Abdel, a lot of people are bringing up again about the wrestles creeping back in. Well, like, this fucking yo-yo needs to stop. We've gone from slow and wrestle to changing all these rules to way too fast huge blowout scores which really weren't that entertaining which fed into key attacking players and basically took out big men and everyone else and it was a game to touch football I thought the first few rounds we started to find that little bit of balance again where non-six agains and actually having penalties coming out of yardage and you know only having six agains in good ball etc sort of brought back a little bit more of that balance to the game where it's just not all playmakers and your turbos and your teddies of the world are actually going to have to work a little bit more, you're going to have to create with your halves and to be a bit more genuine with what you want to do to break a team down. It shouldn't be as easy as a quick roll ball and holes everywhere and guys can't retreat because you're just going six again, six yeah. again, six again. But well, apparently... you know, my, my thoughts on the six again, I hate it. Yeah. I, I want to get rid of it. <clears throat> but I, um, yeah, I just want to see some consistency around what we're doing. Yeah. We're four weeks in and we've been reactive again. They're talking about, you know, the wrestles come back in. I'm, I'm not sure whether the wrestles come back in. Are they pushing the envelope a little bit more once teams get outside their 40? Yeah, they probably are. Or we'll use the bin. Yeah, I, I don't even know whether that's the answer. Just penalise. Like, they should just be able to penalize, give a penalty. That That's my opinion. Mm. Because but, the reason they're doing it, the reason they're pushing it is because they know that if it's on tackle one or two, they're, they're happy just to give away a six again. Mm. So if you want to induce attacking football... For the first 80 metres of the field, you should just be given penalties. And then when you get down into goal line, if it's repeated infringements, then sin bin. That's that, what I'm be... saying. Do they talk about the sin I don't bin? understand why they just didn't go to that straight away. I... The... Gus like Gus Gould made a good point. I heard him... I don't know where I heard him. It might have been on the Sunday footy show or on one of the footy shows. And he said, 
Like, there's never been seven tackles. He's just he's not our game. Seven tackles for a kick dead. Seven tackles for, um, you know, a, a ball that's caught in the in goal. Seven tackles for a refring- infringement. Like, our game is six tackles. That's what it is. It's always been six tackles. And I, I completely agree with that. I, I think we've lost the fabric of our game. It's turned into... Uh, not touch football, but it's got that sort of element to it where it's, like you said, just a roll ball and play quick, get our dummy yeah. off and play quick. Like, that's not our game. And we're creating players now that only know, only know how to play on the back of quick play the balls. That I don't know how to break down a defence. They don't know how to play with tempo. And you just got these teams that bounce into shapes and, you know, run the double block. And it's it's been heading this way for 10 years, 15 years. So, yeah, I'd like to... I like to see a little bit of a reset and a little bit of a wind back. Like mm. we're over officiating and you know trying to find too many infringements and we're look we're searching for the perfect game. It doesn't exist. No, the best type of game is where there's chaos, where there's fatigue, where there's flow. We don't, we're just not getting that at the moment. And that's when your Tedesco's and your um, Trebojevic's and those guys are going to come into the game because there will be fatigue. The game will flow. There's not opportunities for players to take breaks. I'd like to see us trim the interchange down to six. I think that'd be a good a good move. Well, with the tempo of the game now, I sort of agree with you. When we went full blown, Valandi's ball, as people called it the other year, we were talking about it. I yeah. thought there was no way you could have done it from a health and safety perspective because the game was too fast. Mm. Now that we've sort of gone back to penalties out of your own half, that slows things down a little bit, and it's a little bit more stoppages and actual having to play football. But I don't understand why Valandi's is making decisions on football like he's a, he's a good administrator no doubt about that yeah. but stop fucking with the fabric of the game mm. like I, I at Ron like at our level New South Wales Cup and Ron Massey Cup level try, like you've got a lower standard of refereeing and you just it, it is just a lottery That's when so. six agains are given isn't it's, that the fucking truth <laughs> like we watched a game on the weekend where you know in, in both grades for us like they're Referee will set a standard for the first five or ten minutes, and then after that, it just goes to shit mm. because they don't want to give a six again or a penalty every set. But it's like, well, what's the standard of the game? What are we trying to, what are we trying to do as a game? Because realistically, we we maintain a good standard and a clean game for five ten minutes, and then we just let it slide because like, well, we can't penalise it all day. So well, that's the point I'm getting. At. Like, mm. I don't I don't want to see sin bins for love taps and every small infringement where we're like, that's player safety, that's in danger, this, that, and the other. But also. You know, when, when it's the other way around, like you say, in good ball or in a half, and they're complaining, they go, oh, it's slow. Well, what happened to if, do something we, about it. if we give three or four, you get your warning, then you fuck someone off. Mm. And then if they do it again after that, well, then send a second one off. I don't care. But the point is more what you said, adjudicate through the rules, but I don't want to see. But just, the ref- I feel like the referees want to get involved. That's what I feel. We've your said, job's not to get involved. We've said this before. We know most of the referees' names. I don't watch much AFL, but when I watch AFL, I have no idea who any of those guys are. I know there's a lot more officials in general, but I don't know who they are. Yeah, I heard Gordon Tallis on the radio on the weekend make a good point about mics, referee mics. Mm. We shouldn't. I, I'm happy to take the mics away. I think you should move to the uh, NFL system where they announce, mic on, captain's challenge, this is the reason why, mic off. Yeah. Tell, tell us the things that we need to know, but otherwise, as a viewer, I, don't want, I want the referees to be able to get together, have an honest conversation without... You know, every media outlet then going to overanalyze what they said. Like if they don't know what a call is, or if they're talking about a fifty-fifty, or that the, there's got to be some sort of sanctity of the field. Mm. Same as the dressing room. Like we've we've spoken about that. Like we've sort of got access to everything. We've given everything away, mm. and it's it's impacting the quality of the game. Yeah, 
Oh. We could talk about it forever, but I just, yeah, yeah. I, in my mind, I'd, but I think I'd you, push the reset button on it. I think the best thing you said, the whole point with through this, was we're looking for the perfect game, and we haven't found it. We went too you're far never, one you're way. Never going to find it. Yeah, we went too far one way after I thought having some positives when we first introduced it. Then we went too far. Now we've brought in penalties out of your own half to sort of counteract people just giving up play one or two. And now it seems that they're not happy with that because they're not seeing as many tries and as many points. I've actually quite enjoyed, like I said, the first three rounds because mm. I feel there's a bit more balance again where, for example, the Manly game on the weekend, they're talking about Tom or these other guys not being as featured. Well, they're having to earn their way into a game. It shouldn't just be all made for... Yeah. Star players. He picks up the backs. ball and he's yeah, yeah onto it. Like last year, he was scoring fucking doubles and hat tricks every week, in particular against the bottom eight and some of the lower top eight sides. Mm. But it shouldn't be just everything's geared towards star playmakers and spine players or outside backs. Yeah, I agree. The fact that he's had a couple of quieter games to start the year is because Manly, as a team, have been poor. Yeah. And they haven't built pressure and they haven't broken a team down and they haven't cycled. Like there's some principles of rugby league game that I don't think you can take away. Mm. On the weekend, that to absorb against Canberra, particularly the first half. They broke them down a little bit. They cycled really well. Then Canberra sort of broke down. Cherry Evans had a kicking masterclass, and as that pressure built, then you saw Tom come into his own. And even with the torn PCL, I think he had 280 metres, a try. He was really, really good. Yeah. But that's the way you should have to build in a rugby league game. It shouldn't be like we talked about, Oztag, like bang, 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 six again, six again, six again, and just fullbacks 10, 15 minutes into a game, scoring doubles and try assist and throwing the ball around. More the point I made last year when I was like, oh, he's, it's the greatest season ever. He's the greatest player we've ever seen. I'm like, man, I would have liked to have seen Inglis, Slater, Hayne, Barber do what they did in that era we're talking about where it was the complete opposite way. Mm. Slow, wrestle, like having to really break down, <coughs> work for your point, structured football. Imagine them playing under those rules. Yeah, exactly. It's not taken away from what Tom said, but we just we took the game so far one way and we wondered why. <laughs> we saw such dominance from that key player. We saw Ruben Garrick almost break the point scoring record. Like, I think we're sort of at a good balance point right now, but it seems like they're about to crack down again with sin bins, headshots, like all these things, as well as six against to try and get things rolling again. Like, we just need to find a middle ground and be fucking happy. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. Tackle three. I'll try and shorten this one up because uh, that last point went a little bit longer, and we've talked about this one before. And our Dragons fans are some of our most passionate, much like our Brisbane fans, and they've been a topic the last few years, but. Anthony Griffin, I don't know what the fuck you're trying to do. I don't know what your plan is long-term. And the Dragons, I know they extended him for an extra season. But I thought we found it pretty clear at season's end that the money ball's all well and good, but what's your long-term plan? And it seems after only a couple of rounds, he's already given up on Sloan and Amone. He's got Bird back at six. He's got Moses Zembai, who's played every position in the spine over the past eight to nine years now at fullback. Like, what, what's your plan? What's 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 the long term goal here for the Dragons? We're just going to keep buying ex Brisbane under twenties guys that he coached and veterans and guys on good deals and saying we've done good business and float around the borderline of the eight. Or at some point are we going to bite down on the mouth guard and go okay? I'm here. We've been good with Illawarra the last couple of years. We've got these spine kids coming through. You've got Sullivan who's not injured. McCulloch's passed it. Embire is a really good option for a fourteen, etc. I'm going to build us our future team. And I think even from the club perspective, that's what you should want if you're going to stick with him long term. But I, I don't know what they want because I thought that's what he wanted. And after a couple of games, you've already gone away from it. Mm. Bird's not under contract. He's now playing six again. Like I said, Moses and Bai's playing fullback. McCulloch, honestly, at this point, he looks like me playing Oztad in terms of speed out of dummy half. They, they need to make some decisions about where they're going. And again, 
there was a lot of positivity out of the trials and the first few games that they could be in the eight or they could be around the fringe of the eight. I didn't have them in the eight, but I thought they'd be near the bottom, particularly with the way they bought with their forwards and got some good depth in that area. But I thought on top of that, they would stick with their one to seven. But I go back to what I said last year, and I still think that's the way forward. And I'm not right. I'm not an NRL coach. Anthony Griffin's had success at the two previous clubs he's been at and played finals football. But for me, if I'm a Dragons fan, if I'm a Dragons supporter, and if I'm at the Dragons, I don't think we can win a comp. I don't like what we're doing, and I'm building towards the future. And that, for me, means that Sloan plays fullback, Amon plays six, Ben Hunt, to me, shifts to nine, and I'd have Sullivan, when he's healthy, coming and play seven. Because the crux of that spine we just talked about is what dominated coming through the grades. That's your future. And I like... Suli and Lomax and Ravalara and we talked last week that if you're going to have Sloan for the next year or two physically you need a bigger winger which they did on the weekend with one of the Fugai twins not Ramsey you have to persist mm. you have to because recycling Woods, McCulloch etc and moving on from Vaughan and telling Tarek Sims you don't want him anymore etc and bringing in Molo and Kazuski and a lot of guys that are you know average first graders or solid first graders or squad players you're just going to ride the same roller coaster every year you're going to either miss the eight, maybe scrape into the eight, hmm. go through the same contracts every 12 to 24 months of a one- or two-year deal. Oh, yeah, we're getting good value. Do you want to fucking win or do you want value? Yeah. What is your end goal here? My end goal is, all right, we've just had this really good group through. I'm willing to suffer for 12 to 18 months. Let's make some really good decisions with recruitment. Let's build around these kids. Let's show them that we fucking support them and we're going to give them 50 games or two seasons worth or a couple of pre-seasons. Let's make sure that is our sole focus because this is the future of the Dragons particularly once you've been guaranteed a future yourself yeah and I think they've now all extended as well and this is a pretty good way to get guys offside very quickly if they're in and out on the yo-yo and they don't have faith yeah. and we know what managers do and we know what young guys do if this keeps going back and forth and it's a bad year when the yo-yo comes out it's not hard for guys to agitate so, that's right um, yeah I, I think there just needs to be a plan about what they're doing because yeah. I don't know about the Dragons fans out there but if I'm you guys and I see him buy McCulloch and some of these guys getting recycled and getting key positions, like, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Where's our long-term future? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. <clears throat> I agree. Short-term pain, long-term gain, but you need to fucking stick with it. Look what Ivan did. I'm not saying they can do what Ivan did in that one year at Penrith, but when he got back in, he looked at some of those long-term deals that Gus did for Wanger and Campbell Gillard and a few guys, and the, the club wasn't that great, and there was a bit of fracture, uh, you know, a bit of friction. Made some tough decisions. Moved on some guys. Said we've got some really good kids here. Had a bad year. Blooded Toto. Blooded a couple of those guys. Crichton, etc. Got them all in the year after. Things progressed from there. A lot quicker than what they would have expected. But I guarantee you, and you'd back me up on this, even if it didn't go that way the year after when they won 19 games and had the draw or whatever, they would have persisted with that. Knowing that that was the best way forward. Knowing that they weren't going to get a big name recruit for a right price or that buying their way out of it was not the right way. Yeah, I think the Dragons are in a similar position right here. Yeah, agree. Where probably not producing as many, but they've just had a hell of a group come through. Get those guys in, make some smart decisions around it, and be patient. But yep, we agree. Um, tackle four, the Ponga Bennett meeting and the supposed deal there, and you know I heard Andrew Johns blow up about it, which again it's pretty easy to blow up about it when it is linked to the club that you're at. But this has been happening for the last god knows how long. So the fact he's complaining now is pointless. It's been going on since this system's been in place. People don't like the system, man. You've talked about it before. People talk about the draft system. People talk it needs to be the end of the year, mid-year, window, etc. There's no perfect answer, but I think the easiest way to sum this up is I can hear both sides of the argument. 
Yeah. I can eat, I can really hear both sides of the argument and no one's ever going to agree. But, you know, you've got the players saying, well, if we have to sign in October, what if we get injured? What if you've been playing really good for the last couple of years? Then you get under market value. Um, from a family perspective, my missus has a job. I've got two kids. I've got a job. You expect me to move in the middle of the preseason, relocate, find jobs, schools, etc. For the kids, there's so many prongs to this argument, but you're not going to satisfy everybody. But I'll put it to you this way. The way the agreement is written right now, the way the CBA is right now, is mostly in favour of the players, and good luck turning it any other way. Um, I don't like the fact that people sign 12 months out. I'd like to think again, and this is the way I look at it, that they're professionals, so that they give their absolute best for the 12 months they've got remaining at the club they're at. Um, personally, from again, from being a Melbourne person and seeing some of the guys that have signed to, to move elsewhere or what they're doing right now, like for this year example, Felice, Kenny, Jesse, like three stalwarts of that club. I don't think or don't question at all the standard of their football right now. Am I disappointed? Yes. Does it hurt to know that those guys are not going to be there? Or Brandon Smith, probably the biggest topic of the whole offseason. I wasn't happy about it. I didn't like what he did on the YKTR podcast. Sort of. I liked the fact he was very honest. Yeah. But I didn't like the fact he was talking about, oh, yeah, man, I really want to wear that Roosters jersey when he's still playing for Melbourne. But Brandon Smith, the player, what I've seen of Brandon Smith, what I think of Brandon Smith, I don't think and don't question for a second that he's not 110% committed to playing for Melbourne this year. Mm. I don't like the system, yes, but I don't really know the answer. And the drafting we've talked about before, we... We'd have to completely restructure our game. It's not that simple just to go, we're going to have a draft. We don't have the system in place that the AFL or the American system, like a farm system or that disassociation, all our links are with clubs already. So if you tell a kid who's grown up in the heart of Penrith in Mount Druid or Glenmore Park or Jamison Town or whatever, who's played all his football here, been development squad since he was 11, played Matt's ball, 20s, you know, all right, there's a draft system, you're gone now. Like, his whole lineage, his whole line the whole way through is with Penrith Panthers. If there was a disassociation like the AFL, I could probably see some merit in it, but it would literally take what we've talked about before. Yeah, you need to whole restructure. Whole restructure yeah. of New South Wales, QRL, <clears throat> all those systems under an NRL banner and have farm systems to have that happen, to not have an association with clubs. No, you could do it exactly how it is now. You wouldn't have to change anything, but you would have to have your junior rep teams not associated with the NRL club mm. have, you know, St Mary's run them or Windsor run them or Cabramatta run them or Mounties run them or whoever the clubs are, similar to what the Queensland Cup does and not have and they've got two or three an attachment to an NRL club. Well, that's the only thing you'd have to do because QRL, like you said, they're and not, they're not associated a... by name but they're associated by feeding. So two or three mm. feed here, two or three feed here. So technically they're badged, you know, whether they're Brisbane feed to Redcliffe, etc. Yeah, but the then you take, you take the badges away. The Cowboys, but you'd have to completely disassociate. Yeah, you take the badge away and you put the NRL badge there. Mm. The NRL would have to then take full responsibility for development. And this goes back to coaching, though, which, again, we question at times. There'd have to be a huge focus on having good quality coaches and pathways, and th- th- there's a lot to it. It's a very complicated... Yeah, of course, yeah. So, again, I heard it's it come doable. Up, yeah. Heard it come up during the week because of the Ponga-Bennett situation... Um, people are not happy about it, but there'd be multiple people meeting right now with the Dolphins and all sorts of clubs while they're off contract. It's, yeah. it's the way the game is right now. Um, in terms of that topic, when people brought that up, I only want to make a quick point. I don't, I don't know how Ponga is being talked about for the money. Um, you know, 1.3 million or more money than he's already on at Newcastle. Apparently, he's already on 1.2 million. 
he's equal highest paid player in the game. He has not delivered fucking close to that. Do I think he's a quality player? And we've said this before. 100% I think he's a quality player. But in the time since he's left right New, Newcastle to the, you know, Nathan Brown putting his nuts on the table and swinging the hammer and backing him, to the first deal, yeah, he was probably worth that six, 700 they paid well over before they knew he was an established first grader. But to where he's got to now and all the clauses and everything he has going in his favour, similar to the Payne Haas situation, if I'm Newcastle and I feel like I'm just bent over a barrel, I'd rather go buy two quality players. I don't see the contribution that's worth the salary cap and what they've done so far without him, without Pierce, and without Braley, um, I think there's enough good there that you could take that money and, again, go try and get two other players. I'm not saying I wouldn't want him there, but if the price tag is every 12 months we have to reassess our future and we walk around on eggshells and he's on $1.3 million for what he's delivered so far, yeah. I wouldn't want him at my club. I just think he's asking uh, in, in, in an ordinate amount of money for... Um, a lack of performance. He, has, he hasn't earned the right no. to earn that amount of money. He hasn't earned the right to he hasn't been be paid what he's getting paid now, let mm. alone be paid more. Again, or get paid that again. However, I feel as though Redcliffe are in a position where they need a marquee player. So you've got that balancing act between player performance, what the player can give you, marketability. Like, he's certainly marketable. I'm not knocking any of that. But and then you look at value. I'm looking on the, on at the performance, cap. consistency. How much How much of the gap between what he's going to be on the cap and what he wants can you make up in third parties mm. would be a good point. That you, that means you can sort of keep your cap in balance and get what you want both on the field and off the field. It's a really, really tough situation. I do feel as though Redcliffe need a kill. So they're probably teetering on the edge of wanting to do and pay more than what they probably should, which is what you're alluding to. I think Newcastle are already paying too much. I agree. Giving too much. I, away. I agree. If I'm Newcastle, I'd be happy to, I'd be happy to say Tudeloo, providing a you've got someone there that can replace him, or b that you feel as though you can go and get someone for significantly less, who's going to give you about the same. Which I think they could. I, I think they probably could. It's just that when you, it's that game that Kalen plays. That that he's got that game in him where you go fuck. Like you could pay this guy two million. Because he can win you a game, My but it's not—it's not often enough. Yeah, which and, is your and, point. And we haven't seen it. But as that's I've said the one—that's the one that drags you in. But we've talked about this before too. I, when people get excited about teams getting lit up, who are at the bottom of the table, I don't buy into that. Mm. I don't buy into it. I pick me a Melbourne, a Souths, a Panthers. I pick me one of those games in the last three years and go. Caelan Ponga won Newcastle the game, or you know, and people go, "Oh, what about Origin?" Like, yeah, there's moments he's surrounded by great players. A lot of those guys elevate in origin. But at club, like if you're going to be the highest paid player in your club team, if you're going to be the marquee player in your club team, you need to be the top three player every single week. You need to deliver. You need to deliver wins. You need to be on the field. He's not on the field. He hasn't delivered those wins, and he hasn't been consistent enough. And in particular, top eight teams or against top four teams. It's the Fafita thing that we talk about. Mm. He's at least been on the field. But my <clears> argument for him was the games last year where he was good, or the tactics or the doubles, all bottom eight sides. When you're going to be that player, you need to deliver wins or you need to be top three every single week in particular and deliver against the big teams. If I'm yeah. Newcastle, my bigger issue is the setup of this contract and I find it hard to give them much mercy because they agreed to it. But essentially, every 12 months, he reassesses his options. If I'm Newcastle and I've given that away, the position I'm in now and the good little base they've got, outside backs are solid. Clune's doing a good job there with Clifford. They've got money. Their forward pack's pretty solid. Like, I'm just kind of sitting there going, we could have a nice little nest egg here with Pierce gone, with Braley potentially coming back healthy, 
some guys pushing through our system where we could go out and probably buy a couple of good quality players again to add to what we've got as a whole. Yep. Or we can keep reassessing every 12 months, does Caelan Pong want to play for Newcastle? Mm. I'd probably go to Caelan and give a fair market <clears throat> value and a contract, but I, I don't understand how you can continue to move forward knowing that every 12 months you have to sit down and no, wait you need for to him. Pull them out. I, I think Newcastle have done enough for Caelan. And that's where the point I'm getting mm. at now. How much is enough from Newcastle? Yeah, Brown enough. was gone, early money, upgrades, con, you know, complete control every 12 months. It's mm. got to a point where it's pretty damn ridiculous. And even for Redcliffe, if that's it's, a similar deal for them... Yeah, it's it's uh, it's certainly ridiculous while you permit it. Yeah. Newcastle got to go, no, no more. You're not playing up to your contract now. Yeah. This is what we're going to offer you. Final offer. Yeah, four years, five years, whatever they reckon it is. But this if you is don't the like money. it, yeah. move this on. This is the money. It's big money. or what, It will be big money. But you are here. There's no more we have to reassess every 12 months. Like, yeah. That's that's not a good game to be playing. <laughs> and I, I asked the question again, would Melbourne, the Roosters, Penrith, any of the good clubs except what? Pong is putting on the table or pay what he's getting there or what the Redcliffe's going to have to pay. No, to be moved on. It would be, be the same deal again. It would be your West Tigers, your Bulldogs, be those similar clubs again where do you care about And winning? I'll defend them because they have to pay more. Yeah, but do, do you want to win or do you want money? And I asked that of Kalen as well. <clears throat> what do you want? Similar to paying us. Yeah, well, if he wants to win, irrespective, the, the, question, the answer to that question is um, he needs to play better to yeah. get either of those things and yeah. be on the field and be available. Because he's not. If I'm Redcliffe, I still stick by what I said earlier in the year as well. I, I still think there's going to be a couple of names that aren't on the radar right now that'll get out of deals and head up there. Yeah, we, yeah. I'm not. Right. I'm not saying that you're doesn't right. mean that they. Panic. It's just that we don't know, do we? we yeah, we don't, we don't really. Know I'm, I'm not saying is. that means they panic, but if I'm them right now, and the ponger thing is you have to match the money, the conditions, and or up it a little bit, and that's 1.2, 1.3 million. I'm not even talking to him. Yeah, like. With third parties like you're saying, if yeah, maybe if it's one point two and they know they've got good third parties, which apparently they do, and you can get in for eight fifty nine hundred, mm-hmm. that's a possibility. But I also still look at it, what we just talked about and go, well, your top four performance, your top eight performance, consistency being on the field, you know what you've delivered so far. Like, are you the right person, or would I rather take that one point three, one point four, go for Munster and Reese Walsh and try and get two kills for maybe a million for Munster and maybe six hundred for Walsh or something like that? I'd probably rather package those two together. And go one and six, then just get Kalen. I agree. But I, I, I still think I said earlier in the year, Ben Hunt's one, a sneaky one. I got no mail, but he's just one I look at. We, I think we know Milford. It wouldn't surprise me if Nicarima Lodge apparently just denied New Zealand's offer because he doesn't want to relocate. They're saying he wants to go to Sydney, but the fact that his father-in-law is there and he's Wayne Bennett brought him back, it wouldn't surprise me if the Sydney offers don't work out, which I don't see many Sydney clubs going for Lodge if he ends up at Redcliffe. So I can already pick some names in my head that I reckon will fill in some spots. Yeah. Are they marquee signings? No, but I still think there'll be a handful of guys that'll appear as the year goes on that'll end up at Redcliffe. So, um, yeah. moving on from that one and just that system, there is no right answer that's going to satisfy everybody. Again, much like the rules. I don't know what the right answer is. I yeah. think we agree, though, that there should be a mid-year transfer window and something at the start or end, at least for internal I just movements. don't think... I, I just have a real issue with someone signing and then playing a season at, at a club that they're going to leave. I, I, I think we're better as a game. Yeah. <clears throat> to, to A, ask players to do that, but also B, expect fans to cop that. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, a quicker point. We only talked about last week, but it got wrapped up pretty quick. The Storm seemed to have locked in their future. Yeah, um, smart. We they, they've gone about it in a really uh, 
I think efficient way, effective way. They've they've got what they need. Munster now is probably probably knows what the final bottom line is going to be for him to be able to sign there. And this is what they do. They they will not sell the farm to one player. They like to package players. They they have a lot of good selling points. Yeah, but they, we still they, don't know about Bellamy. They're the gold standard in terms of re- recruitment and retention, but it's it's bloody easy to stay there. And that's the point, you know, like when you're talking about West Tigers and everyone, I feel like everyone at the moment's screaming and jumping up and down like, you know, that the West Tigers are on some sort of even playing kill when it comes to attracting players. They're like, that's your issue. Your issue isn't that uh, they don't want to have good players or they, don't, they can't identify good players. Their problem is they can't land good players. No, but it's the good point. players don't want to go there and when they do, they have to pay them more. And it's the point we've made though for them and these other clubs though, if that's the case, you need to be more in control of what you're producing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that gets but you that, closer. That, that takes longer than yeah, what a but, coach's tenure is going to yeah, be. But they haven't committed know? to that either. <clears throat> no. So they need to stick the course and they're starting to see some come through and get closer but it's still probably another 12 to 18 months. But mm. they need to keep doing it and we know this year we've Spoke about that a really good Matt's group the other year. Then the age groups got lifted. They're undefeated in Matt's. The the Andrew Johns Cup or the Laurie Daly one, they just lost the grand final, so they should be good in Matt's again. So it's another one of those ones, again, when you look at it, it's the starting point for two good groups of players. Yeah. So as we've said, that 30 or so in two more years gets to ball. They won't all be there. But from ball, then to flag, then to cup, like out of that two-year group they've got coming this year and next year, in four years or three years as a Tigers fan for when they're 19, 20, you want to see at least 10 of those kids playing cup, borderline first grade. You want to know at least four to five of those guys turning NRL players. That's a good result from 16s to get to that NRL point. It's bloody hard to get there. We know from when you sit in those meetings and they tell four or 500 kids, I remember the under 20 thing, and they sat there and there's four or 500 people in this room, you're 0.0-something percent of, you know, how many thousands <laughs> of juniors played yeah. since you were six years old. And yeah. out of you 400 people... You know, 30 of you or so will play first grade and out of that amount, only 20 of you are going to play an average of 26 games. Like, the numbers are ridiculous. Yeah. But they have to persist. If those two groups come, if a few of these SG ball kids that we had them now moving to flag get through, it may be, a, again, a four or five-year cycle. But if that can turn into 10, 15 NRL players, that's well worth it. Definitely. And that helps. But, yeah, um, yeah for Melbourne, one seven nine locked in. Very key moves. Yeah. Lose those key forwards we talk about, consistently find value. So King sort of underappreciated. They look at him as the perfect thing for their system. You know, in a year or two, he might be one of these guys again that's seen in a different light and goes to another club, or he might stay. You yeah. don't know. How if the young kid they've paid the back row, seen enough of him, know enough about him, they don't hand out that sort of money without thinking he's worthy or he's going to be the right thing. So that's naturally one of your back row replacements. Remus Smith underappreciated the Bulldogs. Nick Meaney underappreciated the Bulldogs. They see that value. They lock him in. They get Nick Meaney. It's that balance of what you're saying. I know it's easy to probably get them, but key recruitments, key positions, and then finding value. They do that very, very well. But Spine locked in. A couple of the younger guys in that squad locked in. The last one left, as we said, is Munster. He gets another pay rise next year, similar to what we talked about, Ponga. I don't see him being worth $1.2 million. I don't mm-hmm. think he's played up to the contract he's got now. Apparently, they've come in around 800 at the moment, which I don't think is terrible. Like, I know that someone would be willing to pay more, but between third parties and what they can actually offer, I don't think it's done. I think it's far from done. But I think yeah. their starting point and how he plays and how badly he wants to be there, and now knowing that, again, it's not just about you, like everyone's sort of in, like, so you want to be a part of this or you don't. 
Um, yeah. I think with third parties, you could get close to a million dollars. But if the Redcliffe Dolphins want to offer 1.2 million again with TPAs and everything else yeah. and a long-term deal. And, that's, and, he, and he wants to change. That's he what wants he wants. to move back north. He'll do it. that. Yeah. But I don't think at the end of the day, it's going to be money. When Braithen has to sit in there, you know, as his manager, literally on TV, feeding that information out, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, he's taking a massive haircut. It's like, well, do you honestly think he's worth $1.2 million on the cap? Yeah. Like, of course you do. You're his manager. That's right. There's people watching him play. Do you think he is? Because I love Karen Munster, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan. But if you told me right now what we've got the other guys for and what he wants, or if that's what he wants again, I'm not even talking to him. No. I'd rather have those three. I'm with you. And they've made him. that they've made that very clear, haven't they? And they've still made him an offer again, but they're all sort of on level pegging. So Hughes is apparently coming up to about eight fifty. Harry's got another year to go, and then after that he jumps up to close to a million or bang on for two years. Pappy signed after all the head knocks and they stuck by him. Apparently that deal again from where it started or what he's looking at in the open market probably fell somewhere in the mid seven hundred. So they're looking at that going, if everyone's sort of on seven, eight, nine and we have that balance, we can keep everyone. If yeah. someone blows it out of the water and gets 1.2, well, then someone definitely has to go. But if they find that balance and they put the right players around it, you've got long-term viability of course you do. as a club. Yeah. And that's the decision they've clearly made. So, uh, Last point here, and I know I've said quick one for a few, but we've got right into it. Um, the fact that Flanagan's been named at seven this week against the Panthers, I think, is an absolute joke. He was given no fucking time in the preseason. He was made to play a New South Wales Cup trial, drive to the last trial, sit on the bench for 70 minutes, and then throw it on when they were getting towed up against the Sharks. And I know for a fact he hasn't been training with the ones, has barely seen any reps, has had absolutely zero time basically with the, what is considered their top spine. And then of all decisions to make this week, for a bloke that's been kicked enough while he's down, they name him against the best team in the competition. Fucking cheers, mm. Bulldogs. Great. He played against us in New South Wales Cup on the weekend. He was good. He scored a try. I, I, you know my opinion on this, and I was pretty firm. I was firm last year. I was firm this year without being there. I, I think he's there. He's the only organising half he they've got. He is the only organising half they've got. I think he's been shelled and shafted for whatever reason. There must be another reason. You can't. I, I don't see another reason. I don't see a, a strong enough footballing reason or I certainly don't see anyone around at that club that is so much better than him for him to have a lack of opportunity throughout the preseason, the end of last year, and to kick off this year. I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I, but I, I, I also I don't want to sit here and act like I know everything because I, I don't I, I, no. I don't know. But it looks it looks to me really smelly, and it look it looks as though there's something something where either him and Barrett don't get along. I, yeah, I, but even if I, I, I don't know, but I, th- I think he's. I like Cole Flanagan. Mm. I, I like Cole Flanagan. You know, also know how strongly I feel about how early we shaft halves. And this is the point I was going to say. Right. By, by his remorse when they bought Barrett, and I was a little bit critical of what happened at Manly, and he threw his toys out the cot, and a year later that team went from 15th to top eight, and they're playing above with what they've got. And he had a good spine. He had Api, and he had Cherry Evans, and he had Turbo. Mm. Comes here, buyer's remorse. What were the first three buys he made? Corey Allen, Nick Cotrick, Kyle Flanagan. Within 12 months, what have they done? Yeah, nothing. Got rid of two of them and tried to get rid of Flanagan and no one wanted him. But your real bones as a coach is you've made this decision. Well, Corey Allen's still there. Yeah, because they can't get rid of him. But you've made this decision. So if you're a coach and you're the halves coach and you're an attack coach. Yeah, the other side, I don't understand how you buy someone. They quit on him after four games. But you buy someone and you feel as though you don't have to coach him. 
That's what I'm getting. You at. buy them and you go, well, they are, are they are. Half. Let's put them in. Oh, it didn't work. Okay. You are a half. Let's just put someone else in. It's like, so coaching. In, but he's your best option. So what is it? Well, look at Dylan Brown, okay? Like, Dylan Brown's obviously playing in a different roster. Dylan Brown didn't have, you know, he's now, I think he's close to 60 first grade games. Has he been an absolute standout in every one of those? No. no. But he's got a good fullback, a good forward pack, a good halfback, and a good hooker. He's and got guys in and around him that can support him and the other point again and he, help him develop. How old is he? he the, Bulldogs, the Bulldogs haven't had a stable fullback. They haven't really had a forward pack. They've had a rotating door of coaches. Um, it's, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, Dylan so Brown's This is Dylan 50, Brown's fourth season. 58. He debuted at 18. He's 21. And the same thing again. Yeah, how many, how many um, games has Cole Flanagan played? I would say less than 30. Well, full year at the Roosters, handful at <clears> Sharks, and only four. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Or something last year, so and look, probably I, 30, mid-30s. I really, um, <clears throat> you know, the, all the talk when we started to 42. develop... There you go. All the talk when we started to develop it... Um, Penrith, you know, back when this was when Jerome and Nathan were in Harold Matthews, mm. the, all the talk was like, let's just get a whole group of these guys through and get get them to fifty first grade games, develop them to fifty first grade games. Now, like, look at them now; they're all at a hundred, hundred fifty yeah. now. And then other guys are rolling the under, yeah. and learning off with those guys. And it's easy now to develop because you've got a good first grade side, and that's the point you were saying before about yeah. the Dragons. But you've Penrith got to start the stuck. conveyor belt. You've got to turn it on somewhere. Yeah. And they don't just come straight down the conveyor belt from the from the start no. to the end quickly. All the targets. But to buy better, you need to do better internally. If you do well internally, you find some value. When you find some value, then you can add players to it. Yeah. And then you may get a discount because someone looks at you and says, you know what? They're heading in the right but direction. But are we, are we judging this decision too much on who they're playing this week? I'm just looking at it Like they play Brisbane next week, don't they? Yeah. If, if it was Brisbane they, next week. more than a week? Because this is the other thing about Barrett. I don't understand how... Avrilow's my seven. Avrilow's never played seven, right? Mm. Avrilow gets, what, two weeks, three weeks? He's gone. Now Wakem's in because Wakem played a couple of good cup games. Wakem gets one week. He's gone. Mm. So is this what we're going to do all year? Is this what you signed Matt Burton up for? And let's not forget what I said before. I thought Matt Burton fucked up signing there early because yeah. I thought he was going to get his chance with Penrith. But mind you, they took the money that's on the table. And some people say, there's money on the table. You don't leave it. He knew he wasn't going to get it at Penrith because of salary cap. It's not because Penrith didn't want him, and we that's, always knew. That's a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, we always knew that. We always knew that Jerome <laughs> was never leave money on, on the, the table. table. We always knew Jerome was going to be there with Nathan because they've come through together, they've played together, they're friends, and you know what? In all honesty, Burton could be better playing in that team as a six. We don't know though because we didn't see it, but that was a decision they made. That's right. We don't. We don't but, know that. After all the slagging I did of his manager for signing there before he even got to play any fucking football, then he becomes a premiership winner, obviously plays in the centres, which is easy to do on that side. I'm not taking away from what he did because he was basically the best centre in the comp. But when you go to that club and make that decision, I said, there's so many clubs that need halves that would have been someone that was willing to pay more. The only good thing he did do 
is it was a three-year deal with an option to can it after 12 months. Yeah. So if this doesn't go further, and Barrett and Gould, regardless of what they bring in next year, I know Marnie's coming, I know Kikau's coming, but if this conveyor belt continues with chopping and changing halves and he looks and goes, well, is Reed enough to fix our problems here? Well, adding an edge player and Kikau with the forwards I've got and the other spine <clears> players, he can, after 12 months, bend them over a barrel in one of two ways. He can either say, well, I'm leaving at the end of next season, regardless of what's happening, yeah. put himself straight back on the market, which you can guarantee him too, there's going to be plenty of clubs that will come straight after Matt Burton and offer more money, probably better situations, and or he goes to the Bulldogs and says exactly what we just said before about some of the other guys. If you want me to stay <clears throat> and deal with this situation, I need a pay rise. So I'd be very careful if I'm the Bulldogs in terms of what we do for the rest of this season. If you're going to keep chopping and changing and not helping him, then have an instability in the spine and putting all this pressure on a guy that played with Nathan, Jerome, Arpy and Dylan. And again, we don't speak enough, as we've said before, about all those players around you obviously help you out. Individually, he's clearly a talent, but you need help. He doesn't have help. The best option for him in this situation, the best option for them, is clearly Kyle Flanagan. It's not even an argument. Stick with him. Regardless of yeah, how great. things play out, he's your best option at seven. Have a real moving to the centres I'm happy about. I've said it a million times, and I might be wrong. And people might disagree with me. But in that situation, that team, what he's done coming through, he's a ball runner. His best position is six with a good seven, similar to what Burton needs, centre or fullback. They've got Dufty, so he's clearly not going to be there. But I have no problem with him playing in centres. It exploits the best part of his game, which is running. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah. I like this now. Him at centre, flanging it at half with Burton, helps out with some kicking, some organising, takes some pressure away. Hopefully he doesn't get double Can we just like really simplify Flanagan's role? What do you, what do you like? What do you want Flanagan to do? You want you want Flanagan to hold down. They're going to play middle service, so he wants Flanagan to swing. And I've I've heard some people who keep criticising Matt Dufty for only playing on the right hand side of the field. That's the system. Understand they play. that's the system that they that's play. That's Trent Barrett's philosophy. That's so, his coaching system. Yeah, they'll play with their um, with Burton on the left, Dufty on the right, and they'll have Flanagan, Flanagan that'll be that link man. And what it allows you to do is that your sevens are indicated. This is our Penrith play. And you, your sweep runner is is either Burton or it's Dufty. So you always have if you land in the middle of the field, yeah, you've got a sweep runner. You can attack both sides. Whereas usually you'd have a half either side, yeah. and the fullback. As soon as the full, fullback moves, you know the ball. They they'll put that extra defender there. But the issue that Barrett's had is that he doesn't have the same cattle that he had at Penrith yeah, to play that system. He doesn't have Harpy. He doesn't. And he have doesn't Nathan. have Nathan Cleary. Mm. Now I, I think Kyle Flanagan. I'm not saying Cole Flanagan is Nathan Cleary, no, but, but I think Cole Flanagan, Cole Flanagan can kick exactly. Cole Flanagan can kick. Um, you know, he's not he's not the best defender, but he'll get in no. front. I think he's tough. He's tough, and you just need to give him a really simple job. But it's what the, shapes it, do you want us to run in good ball? What do you want me to do in yardage? What what side are we going to kick to? Just give him four or five really yeah. really important simple jobs to do. Kick, he'll he'll do them control. For and he did it at the Roosters. And that's the thing. He wasn't bad at the Roosters. It's just the Roosters have such a fucking high standard. Yeah, well, and they, and and they, they saw Walker, Sam Walker. Yeah. And they looked and they thought, you know what? You've been good. We've finished in the top four. <laughs> You've scored a swag of points, but he's better. So that's where we're going. They're ruthless. That's how they are. <clears> but in this <throat> setup, similar to Burton, Burton's not doing what people expect, but that's because you need help. Because he no longer plays with Arpy, Cleary, Luai, Kikau, Toto's not outside. Like, this is what happens. Yeah. So my biggest thing here for the Bulldogs is fucking commit to this setup for the next month to for six the weeks. Year. Well, I hope the year, but for I, the I can't year. see it. He can't not change something every two weeks. But this spine right now is your best spine. 
I, give like, it. Yeah, I, I've got to be honest as well. I'd be playing Burton as the one. I, I'm not. I don't love Dufty. I think they really need to work out who their six is going to be. I, I like Burton at one. I like Burton catching the ball. I think Burton could be, you know, I don't think he's Tedesco or Turbo, but I think he could be as impactful. He can still kick from one. I I, I just think I'd, I want him handling the ball more. I think I want him. I don't want him pinned on that left hand side of the field like he is at the moment. That, that just that's just when I watch them play. I, yeah. I just think you can make yourself more dangerous as a team by team having him play sideline to sideline. That's my opinion though. Mm. But in that team, yeah, I think that gets him mm. more involved, more touches, more vibe. Like who's, who's your best player? Okay, who's like, my, how do I get him the ball more? Yeah. How do I allow him well, to help us be more What did I say when that dangerous. was as well, though? I wanted Luai to go there to get him at six and have the two strong yardage carries for that Sloan theory mm. that Luai can sweep and play, but he's not the most physical ball runner. Mm. But at the same time, we also said that last year, I would have been happy for Burton over Edwards. Edwards has obviously developed a hell of a player, yeah. and they like what they get out of him with the yardage and his toughness and that, but... Similar deal. The but reason it'd be we talked to about see what Burton, you said if you, if they if you said okay, you could either have Dylan Edwards or Matt Burton. Fuck, I would have kept Burton because well, I think go. Burton's just a more talented player, and that's not knocking Dylan Edwards. No, it's not. Dude, that's what I'm saying. The dude's got some fucking rocks on him. I will tell you what, the yeah. way he carries the football, how dizzy is. But natural talents or talents or abilities as a footballer, he doesn't have a whole lot. He's got fucking huge cojones, a big motor. He takes every meter he can get. He's physical as fuck. He pushes up on the football, but. He's still lacking in some of those things we talk about that are natural, like speed. His ball playing is getting a little bit better, but for the most part, they basically ignored him in that middle service system the year before, which is why Tyra May was in the team. That's right. Because every time he jumped down a short side, you'd see the well, same Dylan thing. Well, Dylan Edwards was playing right centre yeah, that year. but you'd see him May was playing in, He'd run over, a swing. he'd pull the handbrake, he'd short step, and then he'd just cut back in field and say, well, fuck this. Like, well, when you saw what Melbourne did to that in the grand final, they yeah. disrespected it and left one defender on three players because yeah. they knew the ball wasn't going. Exactly. So it's not knock him as a player, but he's a different player. Yeah. But I, we talked about it. I said I would have found any way to make it fit. And for me at the time, it was Burton, mm-hmm. Cleary, left foot, right foot, huge kicks, two big bodies, two runners, two good halves, and then Jerome as a sweeper because with Toto in the backfield, you've got one hell of a yardage player. And then for the most part, they've always seemed to have had two. They had Mansour when he was healthy before that to my Sloan theory that if you've got two good yardage carries, it can allow you to do what Penrith did originally when they had Moylan. He yeah. wasn't a carry, but he was essentially an extra attacking weapon who got to inject himself where he wanted to from the back of the field. Yeah. And they could do that. But, again, probably going well off the rails again, but this is what we do. Yeah, we get heavy into footy. But, um, oh, again, within our fucking haze and of uh, everything that's been going on, I forgot to plug Bluebet and all their sponsors. So, I'm an asshole. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this show and that set of six and everything is brought to you by bluebet.com.au. There is no one better than the true blue book. You go to the website today, download the app on the Google Play Store or the App Store, bluebet.com.au. There is no one better, and they support our charity account. Um, unfortunately, we went down again on the weekend. I think we had Satili, was it? Yeah. The, the Roosters got plenty uh, with those sin bins, but Satili couldn't find his way over. So we're at $90 and we're one from four and I'm back up this week. So let's hope we can find a winner yeah. on the weekend and uh, jump into our reviews now of the games from the weekend. Thanks to Penrith Solar Centre, Jake and the crew there. The super spreader event continued. It's continued to uh, get more and more people. But what a wedding it was. Jake's super spreader wedding. <laughs> it's got, uh, <laughs> got my two kids now. So It's got everyone. I, I almost went again. I went positive on a rapid, then negative on a PCR. It's been all sorts of fucking crazy. Sure. So, uh, but then again, 
as we've said before, if you want to tackle your rising power bills and not get COVID, do it with Penrith Solar Centre. There's no one better. <laughs> Give them a call today on 1800 20 29 30 or visit www.penrithsolar.com.au. They are the best team. They'll get you over the trial line and save you thousands per year. This first game from the last round, Titans-Tigers, I'll just put it this way. It's as low as it fucking gets. It was like a soiled nappy, as you like to say. Yeah. Quote one from there. Um, pretty much summed up by 18 penalties, 29 errors, and something I can never unsee. It was horrible. And the try that won the game pretty much summed up the whole standard of the game. Yeah. It, it was, was fucking low. Yeah, it was awful. So for the Tigers, 0-4, and again, the pressure just gets getting heaped on. I feel... Bad for Madge. If anyone's seen that meme of him in 2019 when he signed to now, he's aged a lot in a short space yeah, of time. Of course he does. Um, and then for your mob, the Titans, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but you guys are 2 and 2, but you could be 4 and 0 oh or 0 oh and 4 at yep. this point, in all yep. honesty. Yeah, I think um, we probably won one we didn't deserve and we lost one we didn't deserve. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. <clears throat> I'm going to leave that there. That game needs no Good. explanation. That's, that's my type of review right there. Sharks, Newcastle. Uh, I only got to see. Bits and pieces of this one, um, but from what I did see, it seems like Cronulla handled the conditions better. It was wet, it was windy as fuck. Nico Hines had an average day with a boot, but they just ground them down. Um, they were better with the football. They were really, really good with their back five. They, you know, I said at the start of the year, I really, really liked the back five, but in particular the back three, Mugitalo, Katoa, 200-plus metres apiece, and then the old Barfridge with legs, Sifa Talakai, people are surprised he played in the centres. This is the thing that shits me sometimes about commentators. You make it out like, oh, it's a miracle this guy plays in the centres. If you ever do your fucking research, he come through the juniors. He was the New Zealand under-20s centre. He was at South Sydney. He played first grade there. He unfortunately was one of those guys that got a game, got dropped, and probably lost some confidence. Fell out of that system. Played at Newtown. Even had a run at Penrith. Sort of moving to the back row because obviously he's a bit bigger. His lateral movement's not the greatest, but he's no stranger to it. So when someone freaks out, like, oh my God, can you believe this guy's playing centers? Like, he was a fucking top level representative junior center. So, no, I'm not surprised at all. But Dane Gagai marked up on him. Rough day for him. Tackle on the bar fridge. 17 tackle breaks. Uh, he had a huge game as well. And I guess for the Sharks, they've, they've won different ways every week. Um, the Canberra game, obviously, not the case, but. They want to play their attacking football. Could have easily won that game as well. Mm. <clears throat> they, they can play attacking football. They've certainly put more focus on the defence as we knew they would. With Fitzgibbon, they get a great contribution from their back tie and their multiple in their backs, as we talked about in our pre-season preview, which is an area people thought they were short. But guys like Wilton, Talakai, etc., can swap into different positions and they can sort of cover um, for injuries they've had so far, which is a real positive. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle. I guess some injuries and uh, it's been a few tough weeks for them, but no points. Um, there's always a bit of a concern and we'll talk about it again, a guy like Ponga. He returns, he's talking about all this money and he didn't play anywhere close to that standard and have any effect on that game. So, um, again, not the greatest time to be getting spoken about in the media, touring around Redcliffe and floating yourself and not telling Newcastle what you want to do with your option. Yeah. But at the same time, if you were going to do that, I think people would be a lot easier about it if you were delivering on the field. So... He's already missed a few games. He's back on the field. If he's not healthy, that's one thing. But when he's on the field, he needs to deliver. But the Sharks keep kicking goals. Um, Panthers South, we attended this one. What do you reckon? Uh, look, I thought Penrith were always in control. That would probably been my takeaway. I thought South started slow. Penrith jumped them. I, I felt as though Penrith probably could have gone on with it. I feel as though the scoreline probably flutters south a little. Mm. I did, however, feel when 
<clears throat> South, uh, I think they scored first in the second half and got to a point where they were only six behind and I, they were really grinding Penrith down and then they conceded the penalty try. It got out to 14 and I felt from there Penrith sort of whacked it into cruise control or not so much cruise control, more just managed the game from there. Mm. They, they knew they had enough points to to get the um, to get the job done. It was it was an entertaining game. I, look, South have had a tough draw. I think they've, um, you know, they've got some guys that are learning how to play first grade, which was my concern with them this year. I, I don't think they can win the comp, but I certainly think they're going to compete to be a top eight team. Uh, I like how Demetrio is sticking firm with his spine. I, I like a, what, a lot of what they're doing. See, I, I like Demetrio as a coach. I, it's I respect say. them as a team. Um, you know, my only, my only issue with the my only argument with the whole Adam Reynolds thing is I just thought it, it stepped them out of being able to win a premiership. But they've he's got a, an approach which is going to mean that they're going to be have nice room on their cap, re-sign the majority of the rest, and develop themselves into that back into that premiership winning side. So mm. yeah, and some of those kids have been going really good in cup. They're probably going better than what I... Ilias is getting no, better. I don't know whether they're going better than what I expected. They're probably going about as good as I thought they would. Well, look at their start. They're one really. and three. Are they one and three? Yeah, but by the Brisbane the game, Roosters. they played the Storm, the Roosters, That's the what I'm saying. They've had, a tough, they've had the toughest start. So the that year. was the point I was about to make here. In the next five weeks, they play the Dragons. They play the Storm away, Penrith away, which is probably the two hardest places to go and play, really, yeah. and win. And in the next five weeks, though... Apart from Bank West, Para, Dragons, Bulldogs, Tigers, Manly potentially without Turbo and the Broncos. They'll win all that. So I think I'm looking at that right now and I'm saying... Or at least four out of four. The way they've been playing and the direction they're heading, I had the exact same thing written down you did. Demetrio and the team here after a few weeks and getting some confidence and playing against some good teams, I look, think <clears> they'll win four of the next five. I've got to say, I fuck, they're a classy team. Like Just the way that Latrell treated that old lady after the game, mm. he kicked the ball into her face. He went over to her and apologised while he was retrieving the ball. Then after the game, he goes over and gives her a boots. I thought... Um, how Latrell handled the whole Brandon Smith thing was good. Like he, they sort of laughed that was it off. Media fucking beat up I know it really. was, but I, I liked how he handled it. Yeah. He sort of just laughed it off, and away we go. I thought how they handled Craig Bellamy's 500th game was super classy. Like I just wanted to sh- shout out to South. I think they're doing a lot of good things for footy, even though they're not winning games on the field. Yeah, there's probably as much as what they would like to. Yeah. I think they're really. They're a classy organisation and they, they do a lot of good things off the field. So, And I know, like I said, yeah. I, I probably... Latrell gave her his boots, old lady, yeah. gave her a cuddle. It was, it was awesome to see. There, there was people fucking surrounding that that would have seen that. Yeah. And go, like, well, that's... You know, when you link back to your Albert Kelly and your... Um, Haas. Haas issue, like, that's where Brisbane are as an organisation. Mm. Look where South are as, as an organisation. It's just those little behaviours, that off-field stuff. What, what, the, what the public sees is what they... Yeah, you know, judge you on, and you know when when you we're probably too often seeing that Haas and Kelly stuff from Brisbane, but with South we're seeing all this good stuff. So you just yeah. got to start putting all those little bricks together, and that's how Brisbane are going to get better as a team. But that's why I think South are not only a good team on the field, but yeah, yeah. they're class, like they're classy off the field. I'm sticking and doubling down with my Ilias love, and again, it's not so much love. I think but he's I'm, developing nicely. I think it's the yeah. right the right. Thing and I think just don't drop him. He's don't he drop won't. him. He won't. That's why. I Let him confidence. learn. Like I, I, I don't like him having to learn in first grade. I don't like that. 
but stick with him. But I think this is the point I was making to you. With him, Mamazoulos, and a couple of those guys, I think they know what they've got and they're going to do the right thing. They're mm. going to give them the games. They've got the infrastructure around them and they've decided out of that spine, which is one I don't agree with a lot of things Gus says in more recent times. That's one thing I did agree with. How do you expect them to keep four international standard or rep players in the spine? Mm. Someone had to go. They made him an offer. It's not that they didn't make him an offer. He didn't want the offer. Yeah. He went to Brisbane. But they've got this kid. I think, again... All the little things are there. He's good defensively. He's getting more confident with his running game. He put a couple of blokes through holes. And the one thing I loved more than anything, which Reynolds used to do a lot for them, which takes pressure off Cody, I think he forced two or three dropouts. So he applied pressure when they had those periods there on Penrith. But Penrith is so good, they absorbed and they scored off the back of gluts there when they were under the pump. And the other thing, like you said, fast starts, nine in a row at home. When they get a lead, they go on with it. They bank points early. Yeah. So uh, a good result for Penrith. And I think the other thing... Nathan Bark, not his best game. Probably got to find a bit of balance now that he's back in the side between how much yo ball plays. Thought they had a few moments there where it was maybe a little bit clunky because he's been a lot more dominant without him there, helping out Luai, helping um, with the flow of the ball and the link play, but that'll come over the next few weeks. Um, and Edwards, again, the form he's in. Cover tackle, he had some big moments. So, yeah, Broncos, Warriors. Um, I think the Broncos took a step backwards again. I didn't really feel that the Warriors were under threat. Yeah, for the most part in this game, I think they had pretty good control of things. Um, Johnson, it was a much better performance compared to round one, where they needed him to take control and steer them home at the back end of that game in round one. And I thought he lost control of it. I thought the other day was a bit more of what you expect to see, similar to a Benji Marshall, where you start to understand that who you are and what you need to do as you get older and the things you need to do for your football team. But their front row is just quality. Fanua Blake lodged the platform they laid was outstanding. Um, they had some nice backline movements there and it probably would have been very sweet for Jesse Arthurs who was loaned out for the whole season by the Broncos, which is essentially saying you're not part of the plan mm. to score a double against the team um, that let him go. Yeah, I, this was a hard game to line up, wasn't it? Because we'd seen the Warriors you know, get a win, obviously, the week before. I just against think the Tigers, got players, so. it was ugly. You saw Brisbane start, you know, two and zero, then capitulate against the Cowboys. How good are the Cowboys? Yeah, I, we, I think did we both tip the Warriors? I think we did. Yeah, you yeah. got a perfect round. I got six. There you go. I, yeah, I, but that was one that I just thought I'm going to go on my gut. Mm. The Warriors Tigers game was wasn't as bad as the uh, Titans Tigers game, but mm. I, I didn't really know how to line that form up. <laughs> probably more because I didn't know how much to take out of that win but yeah the Warriors just sounds like they beat them up played well Brisbane are, I think Brisbane now they're struggling to score points as well they struggled to score points against the Bronco, uh, the Bulldogs they struggled uh, to score points, points against the Cowboys and then again they've struggled to score points against the Warriors, so yeah. that's a little bit of a concern. And they struggle. They struggle to score points against South. This is the sort of thing, though. Like I know they bought Reynolds, but Reynolds doesn't create points. Reynolds is really good at controlling, mm. kicking, and creating space for good players around him. Which I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He wasn't the main man at South. He wasn't. When they're in those big games, I know he unlocks a lot for those other guys, but he's not the one taking those big moments. It's Cody. It's Latrell Cook to a lesser extent now, but now he comes to a team where the nines. Situation's not great. The one situation's not great. Brisbane have only scored 45 points in yeah. four games. He's had multiple half partners, so who's he giving to? And then he comes up with that try that they're going, oh, it's Alfie Langer S, but that's not Adam Reynolds. 
And 45 points in four games. That's not that's what cool. he's going to be producing. He needs other guys around him, and he will kick and create space and control for them and do those things. If they think he's going to be a Cody Walker and create and ball play and be on the ball all the time and dig into the line and running, well, you're sadly mistaken. Mm. You haven't paid for that. That's not what you're going to get. So I think the pressure will build purely because of the contract he signed, which is wrong. Yeah. But they've signed him because it's a big kill and it's a big name, but he's got no one around him. Those other positions yeah. are all unstable in the spine. Agree. So I think he's going to continue to be frustrated and I'll be interested to see how things are going come mid-year or back end of the year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Warriors, two in a row, uh, nice for them after a rough start. They've had some injuries, a bit of instability, like we said, three halves pairings in three weeks. But if Johnson stays on the field, that front row stays there and they can keep themselves healthy. Um, good opportunity again this week against the Cowboys, who have been really good. Um, got a bit of a reality check last week, but this is another one of those games. It's a bit 50-50. It's one the Warriors could win or it's one they could get belted by 20 if things go wrong. You just don't know. Yeah. But that this, that one's really hard, I think, this week to pick. So I'm interested to see how the Warriors go. Um, Manly Canberra. We joked last week about the Mudgy Massacre. It wasn't quite a massacre, but it was a bit of, bit of a beatdown. Cherry Evans' kicking game, as we talked about earlier, was a huge factor. He uh, just sort of diced him. The first half, it seemed like Canberra had some opportunities, but we were talking about it and we watched it um, when we got home after the you know the funeral and then footy on Saturday that I just think they're lacking an X factor. Everything was sort of go left to Jack and, and Jack's been really, really good to start the year and he's been on the ball, but I, I don't know. It just seems like there's a bit of a lack of explosiveness from some of those forwards. I, I feel, you know, to Pine has been... Okay, Papali's been okay, but they're not generating as much as what I'd like there. And you know, Starling, you know that Starling can come out and run, but if there's not the main momentum, he can't run. Mm. Schneider's solid, but he's not, you know, anything more than probably an organizer and a good kicker. He's not really a run threat. He's not really super fast or creative. And then from the back, I've said a million times about Chance. I love Chance. He busts his ass, but I think the role that he does could be effective on the wing. Hmm. I think they lack a genuine X factor and I'm going to keep saying it until it happens Xavier Savage needs to be in that football team because they lack spark yeah. Xavier Savage can turn the ball over or put a grabber kick in on fucking play three get the ball back and run 50 metres and I think they need a little bit of that rocks and diamonds or just something in their team right now because it just feels very I don't even know how to explain it but it, it feels very predictable and even if Fogarty comes back in I know that probably brings an upgrade on what Schneider does in terms of goal kicking, organisation, ball playing, etc. But it just feels to me that they lack an X factor. Yeah. Um, their forwards definitely need to do a more consistent job because we said it last week. Two and two, and they've probably played two good halves out of eight. So they've probably played six bad halves, and they've still managed to win two games of football. And they've beaten the Sharks. Yeah. But they've also dished up a couple of piles of dog shit. So that is fair. Consistency needs to change from them, but I do think there's just something missing with them. Um, and I'd like to see Savage in that team. I think something needs to give. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not fucking a coach of 20-something years in the NRL or whatnot, but when I watch Canberra, I just don't just see a genuine threat. I don't see any form of unpredictability. I don't look at any particular player in that spine and go, fuck, I'm, I'm worried about him. And again, the Jack stuff's more predictable when it comes. You know he's going to run, he's hard to stop, but he needs that space, he needs stuff out on the inside. I just think they throw in the Jack in the box and try and make something happen because there's just a little bit of something missing from Canberra at this point in time. Yeah, agree. Um, for Manly, it was an all-around solid performance. Like we said, first half was a bit back and forth, but they absorbed. Tom to play through that PCL injury, which is probably going to see him out for four to six weeks now, was tough. But the Cherry Evans kicking game was outstanding. Um, 
when that's happening to you, including the 2040, 4020s, just constantly put you on the back foot and then you're coughing up possession and penalties like Canberra were, they just sort of piled around themselves on top of the pressure that Daly built and um, it was just insurmountable in the end. Yeah. And young Cooler, I, I said that I thought Harper probably deserved to be dropped. He dropped Parker, but he was very, very busy. He thought he was good. It's another step in the right direction and this week he goes back to his natural position of fullback and the young bloke I was talking about that they signed from the Roosters who had big raps, Christian Tui Pelotu comes in, so get to have another look at another young guy and we get to see Cooler in uh, his main position for Manly, which is going to be interesting because we know that the numbers aren't favourable when Turbo doesn't play. And this is the big the big point we make almost every preseason about them with depth and his health. So <clears> now <throat> he's missing for four to six weeks. I think their win rate's low 30s percentage-wise <clears> and with him it's high 70s. Yeah. So this is a real tough period now huge, huge. to see for them in their season that if, if they go on to lose... You know, say in four weeks, three of these games, or if it turns out to be six weeks, they only win one or two, mm. that heaps pressure on because you know where he's going middle of the year. Of he's going to play Origin. Their HRMs are going to go play for Queensland. Yeah. And that puts more pressure on, which means at the back end, not only do you need health, but you're going to have to pick up wins. So they need to go 50 50 in this period, whether it's four to six weeks. Has to be 50 50 to just keep themselves at a good even keel. Yeah. So, going to be very interesting to watch. Roosters Cowboys. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this one because I'm not going to go to the level of their coach, but I really thought the Sinbins killed it. I thought the Roosters looked like they had great intent early on. They got upfield pretty easily a couple of sets. They got that early try with Momorowski, but the first Sinbin, they conceded a couple. Manu looks like he's back in some of his better form, but the other Sinbins during the game, it felt like any time they were sort of getting themselves into a cycle or getting into any sort of contest with the Roosters, which I doubt they would have come back from 20-0 down. They just got denied. So... um, I kind of, I don't want to say I didn't take anything away from this from the Roosters, but when you play against 12 for 30 minutes, it's pretty hard to get a real gauge. I, I saw some positives, but yeah, I don't know how much to take from this game. I really don't. Yeah, no, me either. Teddy had a much better game. Manu, it was great to see him get some ball because, you know, essentially he hasn't had much. Of a, a lot of these guys, like we said, have had no preseason. It was playing pretty them. quick, wasn't it? Yeah, they're playing themselves into sort of form um, probably from a perspective of con- confidence and easy kill with what happens probably not a bad thing for them but yeah. at the same time yeah the, the bins really get, didn't give it any chance to be much of a contest I still have one huge problem though and I'm going to keep fucking harping on about it I love Sam Walker but he can't kick for shit I don't care how much he's practicing Teddy said oh, I'll get the tee out and I need to practice you can't kick either Momorowski's the best goal kicker they've got there Unless you don't think he's going to be part of your 17 all season, which I don't see how if they sign him back for three years from Penrith after winning a con. Yeah. To me, he's your best goal kicker. I love the kid, and he probably wants to do the goal kicking, but if I'm Trent Robinson, I'm just going, you're a fullback, you're a half, fucking focus on more important parts of the game. Momorowski's playing centre or wing. He's going to be, have more energy. He's less fatigued. Good striker with the ball. I think during the juniors, he kicked it close to 80%. You're the goal kicker. Take it off those two. Yeah. I don't want to see Teddy around here a fucking Teddy. I've seen a few of his kicks. They're like my goal swing. And poor Semi, like I said, it's enough of an ask for that kid defensively and what he's having a run right now without having to worry about the goal kicking. That's fair. Give the fucking Teddy away. And I know he probably doesn't want to, but they just need to take it off him. Yeah. Because in a game like that, it doesn't matter. In a game against Melbourne, at yeah. the end of the year, it's in a game matter. against Penrith, if you're going two from six, and again, I'm not saying they're going to even score six times, but you need to fucking kick your goals. You need to be hitting... So, uh, yeah, I'd rather it be with a non-dominant player, a non-spine player, unless they're really, really... You know, Reynolds is a different story. There's a couple of guys like Cleary, different story. I almost kicked it 90. Yeah. 
Yeah. But for these two guys, the chopping and changing, from what I've seen of Momorowski coming through, he's the best cold gear they've got there. Less important position, less stress, less focus, less fatigue. Mm. Let him take that job. That's but. more what I expected to see out of the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, so we'll just see, see what they develop into this year. And <clears throat> lost... Hamiso, who's been okay in that role so far, been able to inject himself off the back of what those halves have been doing. But I'd uh, be interested to see. Oh, we haven't looked at the team list yet. Does he move Holmes? Because Holmes has been so good in that position. I'd like to think that Drinkwater now comes back into consideration to play that role, which has probably been his best role, and he's creative at the back there, and he's a ball player, and he's a good runner. Um, but I wouldn't want to move Holmes. But we'll get to that, I guess, when we do our uh, tips and previews. So moving on from that, Storm Dogs 44-0. I don't really think we need to talk about that too much. I think, if anything, the biggest thing for Melbourne is rough start, injuries, changes the first few weeks, two from three, still winning, um, and then come out this week, 10-year anniversary of their grand final win over the Bulldogs, and good tune-up game, really. They definitely worked out some kinks that I thought I was seeing in the spine. Probably, probably the biggest thing I took out of this is Pappenhausen's confidence. Yeah. Back in the last year, after some of the knocks, you just see that he... Wasn't hitting those gaps as hard, not as confident to push into space, not as confident to put himself in certain positions. I think the first few rounds, I was like, okay, I can kind of see it. But I think the weekend, in terms of confidence, when you've had that sort of knock and getting yourself back there, I think the Bulldogs did Ryan Pappenhaus in a huge favour because he was fucking steaming through some holes and hitting some space and around the ball and he was flying. So Mm. hopefully that bodes well and he gets a clean run here and no one taps him on the jaw in the next few weeks um, because when he's in that sort of form, and the bond he looks to be forming with Hughes and Harry in particular, those three, again, who are the long-term future, it seems right now, seem to be working really, really well together. My hope is that Munster can mesh in a little bit more with what's going on, because at the moment, seems to be doing a little bit more of the solo stuff where he gets the ball, you know, he bounces around and he's frustrating and to tackle, etc. but still feel right now that he's not really as in sync as those three are right now with what they're doing about the ruck and in shapes and playing back on the inside and some of the kick, kicks they put through. like, Yeah. Mm. Um, but overall, for the Bulldogs, yeah, horror day. 28 tackles inside the 20 early on the game. Melbourne just turned them away. Got a couple of tries before halftime, and then in the second half, there was just a glut there where they just absolutely torched them. Mm. So spine changes this week, like we talked about earlier. We'll see how that plays out. And um, The Bulldogs couldn't fire a shot <clears throat> offensively. No, not at all. And the Parramatta game, um, the first half felt close. They started well. Dragons dragged one and it went into halftime, I think, at 12-8. Yep. thought, okay, sort of pulled themselves back in. But the second half was similar deal. They just ran rough shot. The halves had an absolute field day. Gutherson was involved in everything. Thought the pack was good. Um, but, yeah, Moses and Brown just absolutely dominated. And I think Brown set the tempo early on, doing what he does best. Nice and wide, square, not, a, not afraid to run the football. Clean through, beats a couple of blokes and scores and... Um, yeah, I think the second half, like I said, those two in particular, but an, an all-around really good team performance. And for the Dragons, I'm not blaming on that, but again, you, like, you get torched and you've made those changes where you've put guys back in positions that they've been chopped and changing out of their whole lives. I just don't see why you don't persist with those guys in those positions. So, Fair. Yeah. Uh, that wraps up those reviews and now we jump in and do our tips and previews brought to you by bluebet.com.au again if you're going to have a bet do it with the true blue bookie there is no one better than bluebet.com.au download the app today or visit the website and last week like I said Boxhead perfect round for you I tipped 
couple upsets in the Raiders to try and turn the Mudgy curse, which went down the Gurgler. Mm. And I said I was willing to go with the Cowboys, and uh, obviously that one just got absolutely torched. Uh, I got six, so you're on 22. I'm on 20 for the season. And uh, our first game to kick off this weekend, Newcastle Thursday back at McDonald Jones Stadium against the Manly Seagulls. And in terms of changes, they've got the same 17 um, as they did last week. And Tyson Frizzell has been named despite a hamstring issue, so let's see what happens there for Manly. Cooler, as we've talked about, is moving into fullback for Tommy Travojevic and Christian Tupelo, who comes in at that centre spot. Brad Parker is in the reserves and Bullimore is the 18th man. What do you think here? Do you think Newcastle at home? Yeah, home. Hold no, the fort. Home, no turbo. Yeah, so I'm with you. For this week, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Um, but I do like Cooler. I've watched him coming through. But again, we know how big a key piece Turbo is. The bigger thing here for me is there needs to be a significant increase in their yardage game. Their OBs and their middles have to be better. Alloy yeah. actually had a really good <clears> return <throat> last week. He had a huge game. Um, but all those guys need to step up. Cause I also think they played two pretty good teams in the last two weeks. Yep. Canola away at the prison, Penrith at Bathurst. So. Yeah, been a rough run. So <clears throat> good time to come home against a team without Turbo. Um, yep. And with bluebet.com.au, slight favourites, the Knights, $1.82. For Manly, minus one and a half the line. One to 12, Knights, 305, 320 Manly. 13 plus Knights, 380, 480 for Manly. Um, moving on, the next game we've got here is the early Friday game. It's the Warriors at Redcliffe up against the Cowboys. And for the Warriors, Fanil Blake drops the reserves list with Bunty Afar starting at prop. Interesting to see if that stays. Bailey Sirian and starts on an edge. Josh Curran at lock and Tavaga is out along with Murdoch Priscilla um, and Aaron Panay and Jack Murchie come onto the bench. For the Cowboys, there you go. What I'd hoped, Drinkwater comes in at fullback to replace Fido. So they've left Holmes in his position. They've left the other spine pieces alone. Um, and Janine Tadal Brown starts in the middle with Ruben Cotter going back to the bench. What do you think about this one? Man. Yeah, I'll probably stick with the Warriors. <clears throat> but without any real confidence... Mm. I'll go the Cowboys I think last week was a bit rough but only again like you said only going off what we saw the first four rounds they've been a little bit more consistent but I could easily see the Warriors winning so um, just see how things play out I guess but hard one to pick there's no doubt about that and the odds with bluebet.com.au slight favourites again are the Warriors $1.85 $1.95 for the Cowboys minus one and a half the line again 112 Warriors, 310, 315 for the Cowboys. 13 plus Warriors, 395, 455 for the Cowboys. The Broncos, who uh, need a bounce back, play the Sydney Roosters off the back of a good win last week at Suncorp. And in terms of any changes there, there's a fair few. Carrigan's out, Albert Kelly's out, um, and Flegler, after getting reported four times, is suspended for a couple of weeks. So Billy Walters comes into the halves. Kenan Palacia starts at prop. Kobe Hetherington comes in at lock. Kate returns in the back after a week off. Rabadi goes back to the bench. And Corey Pakes and Corey Jensen are out on the bench. And Branko Lee is out for the Roosters. Trent Robertson's able to name the same 17 <clears throat> as last week. So, um, again, this one for me is fairly easy. With the Broncos losing those players and where they're at right now, uh, you'd have to tip the Roosters. Correct. And you're hoping to see some signs of life after what you got the first two weeks out of the Broncos, but you just don't know. So, um, 
wait and see what the outcome is there. But bluebet.com.au certainly agree with us. $1.26 for the Roosters. The Broncos, $4. Minus 13.5 is the line. 1 to 12 Brisbane, $6, $3 for the Roosters. 13 plus Brisbane, $19, $1.74 for the Roosters. Uh, country game. Always enjoy these. 3 o'clock on Saturday at McDonald's Park in Wagga Wagga. The Raiders take their game there against the Melbourne Storm. Generally, these games are always good when these two teams go head-to-head. Um, but for <clears throat> the Raiders, same 17 as last week. And for the Storm, same deal. Same 17. No changes. So, uh, again, on form, Storm. Uh, the Raiders haven't proved yeah, they can go Storm. week by week. If you're going off their form line, they should be on this week. Should be a better week. But yeah. um, if they play only a half football like they've done in every game so far against Melbourne, they'll get fucking torched by 40. Pretty so, much. This is not a game where they can afford to switch off and have periods where they're in and out of the game. If they do that, it could get real ugly. And bluebet.com.au agrees again. $1.26 for the Storm, three eighty-five for the Raiders, minus 12.5 the line. 1-12 to Raiders, five twenty-five, three fifteen for the Storm, 13-plus Raiders, $13 and $1.85 for the Storm. Rabbitohs, Dragons... Uh, the starter, like we said, of a better period here for Sias, I guess, after a bit of a rougher draw on the Dragons. Um, I guess we'll see what the plan is in terms of lineup. But for Sias, Jackson Paulo goes to the reserves after getting a concussion last week. He needs to pass a HIA. So for now, Mansour is named in that starting spot. Martin Nichols, after scans, has got a bad syndesmosis. He's had surgery, I'm pretty sure. So he's out and he'll be replaced by Burgess, which allows... Young Davy Mawali to come on the bench, who they've got huge wraps on. And Blake Taff is included on the bench with Saliva Havili going back to the reserves. For the Dragons, Jaden Sewer comes back in the back row to play his former club. Jack Gazuski goes to the reserves. Mbai stays at fullback. Sloan is in the extended squad. And Aaron Woods is starting in the front row. Um, again, disappointed um, with what they've done here. Bird's also playing at six again. I'm not really a big fan of that. I'd just let a moan play there. They don't even know if they've got Bird locked up yet. Yeah. So, again, is he a back rower? Is he a center? Is he a six? It's the same point again. You're just going to keep recycling and chopping and changing? Mm. Or are you going to give your, your, your future a chance? So, for now, um, I'm going with South. So, I think this, again, needs to be a period like we talked about where they win four of the next five or so. Me too. So, looking forward to hopefully seeing them put things together. And, again, uh, Charity Shield, I think they're a little bit shocked with the result. So, not saying they'll be out for vengeance, but I'm sure they'd like to uh, get one back after that performance up at Mudgee. Yeah. And bluebet.com.au have got the odds at this one. South's $1.33 favourite, three thirty five for the Dragons. Minus 9.5 is the line. 1 to 12, South's two ninety five four fifty for the Dragons. 13 plus, South's two twenty one ten dollars $10 for the Dragons. Your Gold Coast Titans already up against Parramatta again. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Twice in the first five rounds, but uh, some small differences this time, both for more returns. Philip Semi comes back from COVID, and Isaac Liu is back as well. So three guys last week, um, which did definitely hurt. Brian Kelly is out, so Semi goes into the centres for him. Or oh, sorry, is he out, or has he just swapped him? Yep, no, he's out of the side. Okay, that surprised me. What happened to Brian Kelly? Is he injured? Yeah, you'd have to be. Yeah, so, <clears throat> I'd think so. It doesn't say. COVID, maybe? No, it doesn't say here if he's injured or got COVID. And Jaden Campbell's been given another week off. He's not the 24 at all. So, Zarko starts again at fullback. Hopefully, they've been able to get a few more reps in because I was very clunky last week. And uh, Herman SSA is included amongst the reserves after returning from COVID 19 for the Eels. 
Sean Lane returns after missing. So Ryan Madison shifts back to the bench. He's in the back row. Mitch Rain comes into the 17 with Bryce Cartwright moving to 18th. Murata Neokore and Jacob Arthur among the reserves. If Neokore is ready to go, surely he comes back in. He's drooled out due to COVID. Well, there you go. <clears throat> Didn't say on here what the reason was, but... Um, yeah, I think at this point in time, the few players, you get a few back, but yeah. no Campbell, no Kelly, and Parramatta are getting near Cora and a couple of guys back on board, played some good football. I'm, I'm going with the Eels. Me too. Um, looking forward to it because it was a great game round one. I don't know if we'll see the same standard of attack with a couple of those guys missing, but nevertheless, hopefully a, a competitive game. And with bluebet.com.au, Parramatta $1.40 favourite, 295 the Titans, minus 7.5 the line. 1 to 12 Eels, $3, $4 Titans, 13 plus Eels, 248, 8 10 Titans. And things wrap up on Sunday um, with the Bulldogs up against the Penny Panthers. And then we've got the Sharkies up against the Tiggity Tigers at the prison. Say no more. Um, in terms of changes there, it's an unchanged squad. Ikevalu and Connor Tracy. Remain out, so Talakai stays in the centre position. No surprise with that. And for the Tigers, he's resisted change Madge. So Jock Madden remains in the halves with Brooks. Jackson <clears> Hastings <throat> still suspended, obviously. Tulagi's been included, but he failed a HIA last week. So wait and see what happens there. But I think this one could get ugly. Yeah, me too. At the prison. Tigers playing the way they're playing. Um, I could see a big score come. Yep. So, Bluebet certainly agrees with that one. This one now is a dollar ten. Pending, pending the weather, yeah, <clears throat> weather will be a fact of it. I think they showed against the Dragons; they weren't afraid to move the football in the wet. So, I'm not saying it works every time, but certainly uh, afraid to back their not afraid to back their skill. But they're a dollar ten with Bluebet.com.au. The Tigers are seven dollars minus seven and a half the line. One to twelve Sharks, three twenty-five. Seven dollars Tigers, thirteen plus Sharks, dollar fifty-two. Twenty-one dollars Tigers. Um, and the last one, again, another game I think could have a big score if the Bulldogs are similar in attack to what they were last week. They play the Penny Panthers at Combank Stadium. And Kyle Fleming, as we said, has been recalled as the number seven. Brandon Waken has taken that 14th spot with Bailey Biondo pushing into 18th man. And there's no other changes, but a couple of guys back in the reserves are Aaron Shook, Arva and uh, Ockenball <clears throat> for the Panthers no surprise same squad name Fisher Harris and Liam Martin are back into their normal starting jerseys Spencer Lenyu and Scott Sorensen are back on the bench and Kikau got a head knock last week but he's got a nine day turnaround so can assume that he'll be right to go and similar deal again um, I think this could get ugly yeah they're calling it the, the Burton Cup or the Barrett Cup but <laughs> I think that cup could be full of blood by the time this game's over oh yeah so the odds are exactly the same as the last game with bluebet.com.au. Penrith, heavy favourites, ten. The Dogs, $7. Minus 18.5, though, is the line. $8, 1 to 12 are the Dogs, 3.45 the Panthers. 13 plus Dogs is $26, $1.47 to the Panthers. And um, charity bet, I'm back on this week. Having a quick look here. Hmm. There's probably no one who's an outsider that I like. So the first few weeks, there was some outsider value. This week, I don't see any. So yep. we might have to find a try scorer or a line total double, I think, box head, try and get ourselves some value. Um, maybe someone in the Melbourne game to get a meaty or might see what the, the line total double is for that. Don't know. 
yeah. South I sort of like as well. Might be something there I can get with South, but I guess uh, I'll have a look in a day or two once we're closer to, and hopefully we can find ourselves a winner this week. And we still need to decide on a charity. We've got a couple in mind, but we haven't pinned that down yet. But for now, uh, a big thank you again to bluebet.com.au for supporting us and our charity. Again, if you're going to have a bet, do it with somebody who's willing to help out a good cause. That's bluebet.com.au, the true blue Aussie boogie. Download the app today or visit the website. And a huge thanks, as always, to Jake from the Penrith Solar Centre. Tackle your rising power bills head on this season. There is no one better than the team at PSC. Visit the website, www.penrithsolar.com.au. We'll call that number, 1800 Um Hijack TV, the app, and listening to us do some games. The last few weeks, obviously, for personal reasons, have been a bit crazy and some COVID stuff, but we'll hopefully get some double-ups coming in the next few weeks. So you yeah. had a... Tune in with me at Boxhead and hopefully have the Easter period in particular. We're going to have a beer and a bit of a laugh and watch some footy with you guys. So again, remember, hijack.tv. Download that app from the Google Play Store or the App Store. Hijack spelled H-Y-J-A-C-K. Looking forward to doing some games in the next few weeks. But um, yeah, to finish off, same thing we said at the start. It's been been a weird couple of weeks. Mm. Um, but I guess... <clears throat> Yeah. Shout out to everybody. Hope everyone's doing well. And uh, rest in peace to our cousin, Daniel Shepherd, and to our beautiful grandmother, who's done so much for us, Maureen Fitzgerald. So there you go. Yep. We're going to go have a schooner. We are. Celebrate uh, with some of our family and remember the good times. That's right. But for everybody out there, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com